to Creating Real Marriages That Last with Dr. Mike Lynn, Senior Pastor of Brentwood Baptist Church. Today we're talking about the theory of the Duns. Mike, recently you have been writing and talking about the Duns. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about, and, and let's back up for a second. And, and before we get to the Duns, you started that conversation because you started reading, I believe, about the nuns. Nuns, uh-huh. So pa- unpack for the audience for who who aren't who don't understand this, what are the nuns in, in, in American society? Okay. Um, we have noticed several trends. Uh, we have confirmed several trends that a lot of us have been noticing yeah. for a lot, of, uh, a lot of different reasons. Traditionally, yeah. a long time ago, here was the life pattern. Yeah. You grew up in church. Uh, your parents drug you to church. When you were in high school, you said, I'm never going to go to church when, yeah. I, when I grow up. When you went off to college, you may or may not have gone to co- uh, uh, to church, mm-hmm. depending on the girl you were interested in or dating or whether or not she went to church. But you probably weren't engaged in any meaningful way. Then you would come home, you would settle down, you would grow up, and you would re-engage in right. church. Then we started noticing that people were coming home, growing up, and not coming back to church. Yeah. Uh, then we started noticing that uh, these people who had come home and not gone to church weren't bringing their children to mm-hmm. church. So over those years, uh, we have now defined a group in uh, North American Christianity that will tell us, or, or in, the, in North American culture, who will tell us that they have no uh, faith relationship at all. Yeah. And uh, and we'll, we'll put, you know, religion or faith, they will put none. Right. And therefore, we have the nuns. Mm. Uh, it's a totally unreached people group uh, within our own culture. Now, the next mm. group that was identified I, I, from the, that group that yeah. was no longer coming to church or no longer engaged in, in an active faith community was what they call the duns. Mm-hmm. These people still claim to have faith in Christ, right. would still tell you they love Jesus, would still be um, um, may read scripture, may even continue to tithe yeah. or, or give um, systematically to to some community or some mm-hmm. charity or something like that. Right. But they don't go. Yeah, uh, They have put their kids through school. They have worked. They were chaperones on all the youth trips. Right. Uh, they did all the stuff that we asked them to do. And then when their kids left, they looked at each other and said, you know, this is just not any fun mm-hmm. anymore. And they quit coming. Or they had a child, uh, getting the child up and ready and coming to, mm-hmm. is too much. They start looking at their time and the effort, and the effort to get to church just isn't worth it. Right. Uh, and so now we have people who would still claim to be faithful to Christ but are done with the church. Right. So in, in, in basically what you're saying is in census and surveys, they may mark evangelical Christian mm-hmm. or, or whatever the classification is. But the actual being in community with believers not happening. It's not happening at mm-hmm. all. So when we look at that audience, because you know we've talked about this, we've seen this, uh, we've seen that audience grow. Uh, that, that grow. What does a church have to do to help get those people to reengage back with the church? Um, <laughs> wow. I think there's some things going on uh, in in church and in culture that we have known about for years mm-hmm. that we just tolerated. Okay. And we did. Okay. Let me tell you, uh, the world is now doing what the what the church was always afraid to do, in that it is challenging nominal Christianity. Okay. Okay. If you we we knew we had shallow Christians. Right. 
uh, non-committed Christian. We knew that. We knew the numbers are slightly Baptist. They're slightly inflated. But I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to call anybody out. Uh, but, But if you go out into the culture now and say, I'm a Christ follower, somebody around you will say, you can't be a Christ follower because here's what we see and here's what Jesus says, and the two don't match. Yeah, you'll be called out on that, right? Or, or if you really follow Christ, then you you you're going to have to be ready to endure these kind of things. Uh, the culture has has kind of changed with that. But uh, the the other thing that happened is is this understanding that we've been doing church wrong for a long time. Hmm. And, and and people have kind of been knowing that and telling us, but they didn't feel the cultural freedom or the social freedom just to say, you know, enough. Yeah. So we have set up uh, church as any good organization, as any mm-hmm. good corporation. And the, and the goal of me as a pastor was to get people inside the building, get them to give, and get them to staff the committees and uh, other places of service we had. We had to have all the Sunday school teachers we had to work kindly with volunteers, so you had this whole thing of working with volunteers and yeah. identifying volunteers, and we became really good at guilting people into showing up because right. that was the way we were judged. Yeah. Uh, all the time, people are sitting out there going, you know, there's probably more to following Jesus than this. Yeah. Because you read the stories of uh, of Acts, uh, our church is nothing like what you see in Acts. Right. Uh, you read the stories of the great movement of the Spirit across history. Yeah. We don't have any of that. You know, it was in the 1920s, the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian uh, Auxiliary, yeah. was sending missionaries around the world, places like China. Some of the first missionaries yeah. in China were from the YMCA. Right. Uh, young men uh, who would give up uh, incredible lives, or according yeah. to our culture. They, yeah. You know, they were the best and the brightest, but they would pack their coffin with them. Mm-hmm. They would take their coffin with them knowing they would never come home to England again. Mm-hmm. They would die wherever the Lord sent them. And a lot of them did. So, uh, so, so I think one of the things that, uh, that the church has failed to do is call our people to this grand adventure of faith. Mm-hmm. Our people are challenged every week, uh, every week of their life. They do wonderful things in corporate America and their businesses, their entrepreneurs, uh, they are mothers who pull off uh, yeah. everything in the PTA right. And, right. And, and make their kids own costume. And, right. and all of this creative, wonderful energy that is out there that they bring to church, and we ask them to come and sit. Hmm. Okay, Because yeah. we, we have hired the professionals, and they're up on the platform, right. and they're the ones who do the Christian thing. Mm-hmm. We need you to come and sit to provide an audience for the people who are doing the Christian thing. And that is actually backwards from what we're taught in Scripture. Yeah. That the people do the Christian thing. Yes, 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 <laughs> you know? yes, yes. And, and those that we hire are called to help the, the people do the Christian thing. Uh, you know, it was, it was Christians who founded hospitals, schools, uh, started, a Sunday school was started as a way to deal with poverty. Yeah. That was lay people yeah. who did that. That wasn't, that wasn't professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think one of the things that we haven't done and that we've got to change is to call our people to incredible uh, and hard, hmm. outrageous acts of faith that consume their imagination. Yeah. Yeah, it, it almost, yeah, the, the calling them to be a part of the grand story right. of, yeah, of, right. of, of redemption that obviously th- is throughout Scripture. Let me ask you this. When, 
we talk about the Duns, one of the other things I think we talked about is is that we are seeing more and more people, especially in terms of I'm gonna I'm gonna say latter Gen X boomer generation, if you will, that have have done everything in life that the world promised them. Right. I did I did the corporate job. I got the golden watch. I got to retire. Is this it? Is this all? I've done everything. Mm-hmm. I'm ex- almost to, to, to a certain 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 people, groups of them are almost exhausted, if you right. will. They've done all this, and they're kind of going, this was it? Mm-hmm. So, and, and now they're 35 instead of 55. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I would tell you, that's a very interesting you bring that up. Because I would tell you – I know you and I have had this conversation that we used to call this thing like a quarter life crisis. Right. We had these. We saw the twenty five year olds right. going, "What do I do?" I'm noticing amongst my friends who are in their mid thirties and late thirties of almost a panic. Right. Of I'm about to approach that the point of no return. The point of no return. Right. And they're starting to question choices. And I think where the church is in a unique opportunity is it's a unique opportunity to say. We've got a better way. A better way. Mm-hmm. That could be, yeah. It could be you on mission. It could be. Uh, it, it could be. But you doing stuff like our friends, um, the uh, Langfords have done to say, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to sell everything, go to Africa yeah. for three or four years, uh, or was it five years they were there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've we've got other friends who are who are uh, uh, running a coffee shop in Italy, right? Uh, on on the campus of Bologna University. Uh, there, there are the world is smaller. You, right. can, you can get a lot yes. of different places. Uh, the internet, you can yeah. you can engage with people around right. the world. Uh, things that used to be impossible aren't quite impossible anymore. Right. You can you can put together a nonprofit. Uh, you can actually do something significant about the quality of water in the poor neighborhoods around you, or f- drill for wells right. in Africa. You can do those kind of tangible, make the world better kind of things. Yeah, and I, I think. I'm, it's, it's, I think part, and I think part of this has led to, in terms of this passiveness to a certain degree, has been if we take social media for example, if I like something on Facebook or I donate, and I, we've we've made, you're right, we've made sitting in the pew easy. We've also made my contribution easy, as I can now text to give. I can right. do yeah. those things. But um, as author Nicholas Carr states. Um, who wrote the book, The Shallows, and talks about how the – he says when we automate things and when we do certain things and we we have this tendency to push these things on systems that kind of just do these things for us, we don't get to really enjoy the act and the experience of actually going to Africa or actually I, – folks, I'm not saying go to Africa. Going to your local downtown mission, right. whatever it is, and actually rubbing – you know. As as Jesus said, excuse me. As, as Scripture says in John one, um, becoming the Jesus becomes the flesh and dwells among us in the Word, if you will. That becoming actually rubbing shoulders with people, right? Uh, instead of uh, there's a homeless problem, it becomes I know Jim. Yes, I yeah. know I, I, I know Frank. We met down here, and here's here's Frank's story, mm-hmm. and here's what he's dealing with, and 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 that kind of stuff. And there is that whole lack of of, of community and. And we're in this thing called life together. And if I can help you, it's just your turn. Yeah. Everybody gets a turn. Yeah. And it's going to be my turn soon. And yeah. when it is, then you step up and help me. But together, we'll 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 get through this. I I think I think uh, this this the, the world has has um 
uh, in his book Onward, uh, Russell Moore yeah. talks about we kn- we know what happens when people live outside of God's will, and that they become very sad. Very, it, it doesn't yeah. work. It just doesn't work. Right. And so we are, we need in, to, in the church to be ready for this whole group of refugees that's going to show up at our doorstep yeah. and yeah. going, "Hey, we have tried this." Uh, I, I sacrificed my marriage to get to the corner office, and right. now I'm here. And now I know why the guy who was here left. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. right. <laughs> so, well, it gives, it, you know, the funny thing is, is I think that helps so helps you reshape what worship looks like, what mm-hmm. what the church looks like. I, I've uh, some of my best friends have always used to said, you know, we need to be a certain degree we're a hospital. You know, we're right. the spiritually wounded are coming. And as and as and as our worship leader Dennis Worley always tells me is. You know these people get beat up six days a week. Let's oh, not beat them up on Sunday morning. That's right. Let's let's come in. Let's love them. They they are refugees, if you will, mm-hmm. spiritual refugees, for that matter. Of spiritually speaking, I tried these things; it didn't work. Yeah. Okay. But what happens if they start coming for another reason? Hmm. What what if they're coming and to 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 find somebody to tell? Hmm. This is what I saw God do on Thursday. Yeah. I have to I have to express that right. I was with a friend. We prayed. Here's what happened. And I have nobody to tell other than the church. Yes. Other people of faith who will go, yes. Yes. That's exactly what God mm. does. And boy, that's amazing. Let us sing with you. Yeah. So what happens if 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 we create a thing where our folks leave the worship service on Sunday to go serve, go minister, go be the church in the world, and every day in some form or fashion, they see God do, you know, what God does on a mission trip? Yeah. You know, it's always amazing when you're in a country and something doesn't happen the way it's supposed to happen. And, boy, then there's, quote, a miracle, unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, God can do those miracles here in your own zip code uh, if you will take those kind of risks. So what happens if those people are coming back in going, listen, I I know, Mike, you have a message, but can I really tell the folks what happened Thursday? Right. Or let me tell you where I was. And this lady walked up to me. I didn't know her. And we started sharing our stories. And now she has come to Christ. She's here with me. We're going to be celebrating her baptism. I think that would change worship. Oh, yeah. If people were bringing worship in rather mm. than looking at Dennis or the choir or anybody else to, to bring worship for them. Yeah, because what it does is it really does transform the idea of – it really transforms the idea of what is worship. Right. It really, it really, really does. My, my friends who are, who are in the online church world, we, we have this argument. We had it last week online of – when we view worship as an act of I'm watching that person preach, I'm watching that person lead me music, and therefore I've classified that as worship. But what am I if I'm bringing, right. as you say, if I'm bringing this, yeah, my own testimony, I'm bringing these God moments that are happening in my life into the mm-hmm. week into worship with you. It, it becomes it helps obviously strengthen the community mm-hmm. as a whole because it's going to be somebody on their pew near you who, for whatever reason, is having a hard time believing or doesn't believe. And your testimony is going to be, yeah, it's real. Yeah, it, this is what happened. Yeah, I'm affirming. I'm That's affirming right. I'm what affirming the, the, what what the pastor's saying. I'm here to I'm here to say amen with my life. Thanks for listening in on the conversation. If you want to find out more about Dr. Mike Lynn, you can go to mikelinnonline.com or you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Glenn. You can also download a free copy of 170 Ways to Love Your Spouse on his website, MikeLinnOnline.com. 